Listener Production. Hello, Sasha Barbagat with you. Welcome to The Briefing. Australia's housing crisis is marching on. House prices across the country went up by 8.1% last year, while rents went up by 8.3%. There could be light on the horizon, though, with rents forecast to ease in 2024. What we're expecting for 2024 is that the pace of rent growth will slow down, but they're not expected to come down. And that's because there's still this massive mismatch between the supply of available rental properties and the demand for those properties. In this episode of The Briefing, I speak with CoreLogic's Eliza Owen about what factors could bring our weekly rent down. That is coming up in the second half of today's podcast. In the meantime, I've got Katrina Blowers with me for the headlines. It's Thursday, January 11. Hey everyone, well it is usually about this time of year we start seeing Aussie merchandise hitting the shelves at retailers ahead of Australia Day, but you can count Woolies and Big W out in 2024. The stores which are both run by Woolworths Group have announced they won't be stocking any merch related to the January 26 holiday, saying interest in the products has waned in recent years. A spokesperson for the company said in a statement that it comes amid a wider community discussion about Australia Day and also changing the date, Sasha. Yeah, and Coles has confirmed it won't be doing the same and will stock a small range of products. This year's public holiday is the first since the voice referendum and Invasion Day events are planned right across the country for January 26, while at least 80 councils in every state and territory have so far canned traditional citizenship ceremonies on the day, including a quarter of Victorian councils. So I guess the question is, where are we at When it comes to this debate, Katrina, I mean, the last we heard was last year, Anthony Albanese saying that the federal government would not be changing the date or making reparation payments to Indigenous Australians. So I think until we see some sort of change here, this issue is going to keep happening. There are going to be marches on the day. People are going to keep calling it Invasion Day and companies are going to be forced into these positions where they have to make a decision. Yeah, and I guess, you know, if you are in in Woolworths or Big W and you do see an Australian flag, uh, the company has said that they are going to stock Australian flags all year round. So that's something they're going to do regardless of whether we've got Australia Day coming up or not. But, you know, about time, about time, I say. Australia's closest neighbour, Papua New Guinea, has been experiencing what's being described as one of its worst days of unrest. Rioting, arson and looting has been taking place on the streets of the capital, Port Moresby. Now, this violence follows a protest at Parliament House yesterday that quickly turned nasty. And that protest happened after public servants, including prison officers and police, discovered what's been called a payroll error by the government. Basically, they looked in their pay packets and they found they were 120 Australian dollars short. 
The Prime Minister has apologised, Katrina, and blamed Department of Finance staff for not updating national payroll software to reflect the current tax policy. Now, he's promised they'll be reimbursed the next pay cycle. Some service stations, banks and the Office of Internal Revenue are all closed today due to safety concerns. The warehouse for one of PNG's largest retailers has gone up in flames after it was ransacked, and that sparked concerns that there could be food shortages and issues for days or potentially even weeks because, you know, it's a huge warehouse stocking all of this product, including food. And so, you know, where where's it going to come from? It's, uh, yeah, really scary to see. There's photos on WhatsApp also showing ATMs have been destroyed. Uh, and St John Ambulance says it's received a high number of calls relating to shooting incidents and people injured in an explosion. There have been reports of death, but no formal confirmation at this stage. Yeah, you've got to understand the frustration by police who've been dealing with a, a huge, you know, surge in violent crime in PNG over the last year or so. And then to look in their bank accounts and find that they're, you know, a significant amount short. And um, that's why they went on strike in the first place. And yeah, authorities there are saying that all this looting and um, violence is being carried out by opportunists who saw that police were on strike and decided that they would go out and cause some trouble themselves. And awards season is rolling on and so are all those opportunities to spy on red carpet fashion, which is my favourite part, (laughs) uh, with the SAG Award nominations announced overnight. Oppenheimer has, of course, led the charge the movie about the Manhattan Project during World War II, scoring four nominations after cleaning up at this week's Golden Globes. Barbie got three, so that's pretty neck and neck there, including one for Margot Robbie for Best Actress. American Fiction and Killers of the Flower Moon also have three each. And when it comes to TV, The Crown, The Bear, Succession, Beef and Ted Lasso, which is one of the ones I binge-watched last year, are also leading the pack. Yeah, and once again, Aussie Elizabeth Debicki is up for Best Actress for her portrayal of Princess Di in The Crown. Hopefully she wins again. Uh, Love seeing some Aussie talent on the global stage getting recognised. Did you see her acceptance speech at the Globes? I thought it was quite amusing. She seemed completely taken aback by, uh, by the award. And you know what else really struck me when I saw her on stage was how little she looked like Princess Di in real life compared Mm. to how much she looked like her in the crown. I mean, a, a hairstyle does a lot, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And that uh, iconic princess dye crop cut uh, really <laughs> carried a lot of it for Elizabeth Debicki. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's worth uh, mentioning as well the Screen Actors Guild Awards. They're seen as this massive kind of indicator of who's going to have Oscar success. And last year, every actor who won their SAG award went on to win an Oscar. So uh, I think it's one that people will be watching pretty closely to see what happens at the Academy Awards. Hey, thanks, Katrina, so much for joining us for the headlines today. Next up, it's my chat about what rents are forecast to do across Australia in 2024. The cost of renting and finding a property to rent was one of the biggest stories of 2023. Long lines of people trying to secure properties in our capital cities 
and regional areas under pressure from rising populations and more and more short-term homestay properties reducing availability and forcing prices up. That's before you factor in the Reserve Bank upping interest rates, which landlords then pass on to tenants. Rents rose nationally just over 8% in 2023. So what does 2024 look like? Will things get better or worse? Eliza Owen is Head of Residential Research Australia at CoreLogic, which studies the trends and movements of the rental market. Eliza, welcome to the briefing. Before we get into 2024, let's recap 2023. What did you make of it? Last year was very much a continuation of some of the trends that we've been seeing in 2021, 22, but there have been different factors underlying the tightness in the rental market. So nationally, rents were up 8.3% in 2023, and that's the equivalent of about another $46 a week added to the median rent, which across Australia is now sitting at $600 across houses and units. When I talk about those medium rent values that we produce at CoreLogic, we're basing that off of analysis of rental listings largely. So that is sort of if you were to secure a new lease and not necessarily the median of what people are paying. So there is a bit of a difference there, but because rent leases in Australia typically are only max 12 months, it's not long before people are exposed to those higher market rents. Which is exactly what I've experienced. I've actually, I live in Sydney. I just got a letter, $100 a week more that they want. I thought I escaped it, but obviously not. And what are we expected to see in 2024 in the capital cities? Let's talk Sydney, Melbourne, and then Brizzy and Adelaide and kind of analysing like, are people like me going to experience that same sort of shock at opening their emails and seeing that massive rent increase come through? I wouldn't expect you to see another shock, but I wouldn't expect your rent to go down either. Basically, what we're expecting for 2024 is that the pace of rent growth will slow down, but they're not expected to come down. And that's because there's still this massive mismatch between the supply of available rental properties and the demand for those properties. So rent listings have been sitting well below their historic averages, especially compared to the 2010s. When interest rates were falling, that attracted a lot of investors into the market, particularly in the unit off the plan space. And that ultimately helped to keep rents really low for many years. In fact, throughout the entirety of the 2010s, average rent growth was only 2% a year. That was pretty consistent nationally and across different cities and regional areas. And it was only about in line with inflation. So the fact that the past three years have been defined with this annual rent growth of almost 10% and certainly more in other parts of the country... I think it's come as a real shock to renters and it's made us realise that we can't necessarily depend solely on the private sector and individual investors to provide adequate rental housing. What are prices expected to do in the capital cities over 2024? You mentioned that they might level out a little bit, but they're not going to come down. Is that kind of the the mountain set then? That's as high as they're going to be. We're not going to see anything change in terms of a lowering of prices. You know, in the housing market, we see a correction and, and things start to kind of come back down. But the same doesn't really happen with rents, does it? That's a really good point. And I think when it comes to rental pricing, the reason we've seen that consistent uplift in the past few years, whereas 
the purchasing market has gone up and down is because there's a difference in demand for the purchase of dwellings, which depends on factors like interest rates, whether you have a deposit ready to go, whether credit is easily available by some other regulatory standard. When it comes to rents, that's much more about the fundamental need for housing. So there is a difference between demand for housing that is needed and and demand for housing that people are willing to purchase. And the fundamental need for housing is really reflected in those higher growth in rents. You mention this kind of levelling out in 2024. It's probably worth exploring some of the causes of the tight rental market to better understand why we expect growth to slow down. At the onset of the pandemic, we saw a lot of immediate changes in the composition of renting households. At first, the rental market loosened up a little bit because a lot of people went back to live with their parents or, you know, share houses started to to break up and and rentals were, were more plentiful. But pretty quickly that changed when the government introduced a lot of the support for lower income households and, and it was the highest level of peacetime fiscal stimulus on record that that we saw in terms of that support going through to households. So that's a lift in incomes that you're getting. And the result was that people demanded more space in their housing. So again, the rental market starts to change and we get the breakup of share housing, but people start to spread out across the rental market and you get a lot more take up of people in their own individual apartment. So because people spread out across the rental market, even if the population wasn't changing at the time, and it wasn't because we closed our international borders, there was more take-up of rental accommodation, fewer people per household. And the RBA estimates that that change in household composition added to dwelling demand by 120,000 properties during that period. Then you get to 2022, and on top of an already tightened rental market, we open up the borders and we get the return of overseas migration. Now, around 60 to 70% of recent migrant arrivals from overseas are renters when they first come to Australia. Many of them go to Melbourne and a lot of them go to Sydney. About 60% of those overseas arrivals will settle in Sydney and Melbourne alone. Mm -hmm. So that's a huge additional demand pressure that you're getting throughout 2022 on top of an already tight rental market. And that's what has created that big sort of uplift in rent values in those cities in particular, and a lot of high-density markets as well, inner-city unit markets and things like that. Obviously, it's important to call out that the migration piece is a bit unique right now because we've had fluctuations with people movement, border closures. And in 2024, overseas migration is expected to normalise. So it's going to settle down this year, and that's part of why we think rental growth could calm down. But the other thing is people could just start share housing again and going back to just renting one room as opposed to, say, their own unit. That's also a massive demand factor that could help ease up the growth in rents. We talk about capital cities and we've covered that off. What are we seeing in 2024 in the regions? I know one of the big issues was short-term stays, Airbnbs, and as well, like you mentioned, COVID, people moving to the country because they could work from home. How is it looking for regional renters in 2024? So again, a lot of the growth in rents for regional Australia was highest, as you mentioned, 2021-22 when migration to regions was highest. That has started to normalise now and the level of people going from capital cities to regions net 
is sort of normalising to around pre-COVID levels. That's reflected in that easing in rental growth. So uh, regional rent growth has gone from double digits to just 4.3% in 2023 and could continue to ease in 2024. And that pattern that we see in the regions is probably a really good informer for what we could see in capital cities as well once migration trends settle down. There was a report in the News Limited papers this week that told us renting a house in Sydney is now $200 a week more expensive than it is in Melbourne. You mentioned the difference between Sydney and Melbourne and other capital cities with migration, but why do we see such a big divide between Sydney and Melbourne? That's a great question, and I think ultimately it does come back to supply. It sounds pretty basic, but when you look at the supply of units over time, um, the data is really only available at a state level, but it's generally been much higher across Victoria relative to population growth than what we've seen across New South Wales. So I, I think that would be the main input. There's probably also factors around the difference in incomes. But you're quite right. So we're reporting weekly rents in Sydney at the moment are $745 a week. And that's across all houses and units in Greater Sydney um, compared to $565 in Melbourne. And that could also have implications for internal migration flows. For example, people in Sydney may be deciding to move to Melbourne or even cities like Brisbane and Adelaide to have more affordable housing costs. There was a recent press release from CoreLogic and it suggested, uh, quote, softer income growth could lead to a change in housing preferences. Is that what you're referring to when you talk about people moving into share houses? Exactly right. That or just moving to somewhere that is more affordable. It's not ideal, right? It can be really disruptive if you have to move home or live with other people. I think that can be challenging. But ultimately, it is the quickest response that we can get to the rental crisis. Because on the supply side of things, we've seen a lot of holdup in residential construction that comes back to labour shortages through the pandemic and a massive rise in material costs. By CoreLogic's numbers, we estimate that since the pandemic, the cost of residential construction has risen by around 30%. But when you talk to some builders and developers, they'll argue that it's it's been even more than that. So the demand side is going to be your quickest adjustment to high housing costs. So you've talked us through uh, the nitty-gritty insights, but I guess what any renter listening right now would want to know, as equivocally as you can possibly say, is 2024 going to be better? It's only going to be better in the sense that the growth in rents should slow down. So it, like we said at the top, you know, it's it's more about you not seeing a shock when you go to get your lease renewed the next time. But unfortunately, I think it's going to be a while before we see, at least in some cities, rents actually falling. There are a couple of areas where rents are coming down, Hobart and Canberra as an example, but even there, the falls year on year have only been about 3% and it comes off the back of these massive upswings. So I think rents will steady at the high level that they're at now, But I think as a country, we've got a lot of work to do in how we supply housing, who supplies housing, uh, and how we treat renters in order to make the rental market more stable long term. 
That was Eliza Owen, Head of Residential Research Australia at CoreLogic. The first indication of what 2024 will look like is likely to become clearer when the Reserve Bank of Australia board meets to consider interest rates in early Feb. We will keep you posted. And in the meantime, we'd love for you to tell us about what you're expecting as a renter in 2024. Drop us a message on Instagram, just search The Briefing. And don't forget to check your feed at three o'clock this Sabo for our fourth instalment of our Reset Your Finances in 2024 series. And today's episode is particularly timely. How to buy a house in 2024. I'm Sasha Barbagat. Katrina and I will be back in your feed tomorrow morning from six. Listener.